0: russet in autumn light, and I recognized the barrier island off the coast of Georgia, one of the golden isles where I spent summer vacations as a child. That archipelago was the first place I ever longed for. During the rainy winter months of my childhood, sometimes mercurial sensations of the island came to me in a rush. Humid, salty air catches in my hair— the saw palmettos clatter in the torrid breezes of August, and my hand sweats in our cook Willie Bell's hand as we walk toward a low bridge where she will lower a crab trap baited with high meat into black water. I ached not to be in Miss Golf's first-grade classroom, where the floor smelled of pine oil and sawdust and the little letters followed the big letters in colored chalk around the room. I wanted the firm feel of Willie Bell's hand, the horror of rotting raw meat in the crab trap, sunrises on the beach, and the long walk back to the house on the crushed oyster shell path. At six, that sensation was a tide, a rhythm, a hurt, a joy. This powerful first sensation of a place I have come to know well, because I've kept it all my life just as I've kept square thumbnails and insomnia. One of my favorite writers, Freya Stark, acknowledged a similar feeling in The Valley of the Assassins. It shone clearly distinct in the evening light, an impressive sight to the pilgrim. I contemplated it with the feelings due to an object that still has the power to make one travel so far. Her it, being anything that pulls us hard enough so that we take the passport from the drawer, pack the minimum, and head out the door with an instinct as sure as that of an ancient huntress with quiver and bow. The urge to travel feels magnetic. Two of my favorite words are linked, departure time, and travel wets the emotions, turns upside down the memory bank, and the golden coins scatter. How my mother would have loved the mansard apartment we borrowed from a friend in Paris. Will I be lucky enough to show pieces of the great world to my grandchild? I'm longing to hold his hand when he first steps into a gondola. I've seen his freedom burst upon him on hikes in California. Arms out, he runs forward. I recognize the surge. Sardinia the real name, Sardegna. I have wanted to come here since I read D. H. Lawrence's Sea and Sardinia" years ago in a blank hotel room in Zurich. It is a small, stony, hen-scratched place of poor people, I read. And, in we roll, into Oros, a dilapidated, sun-smitten, godforsaken little town not far from the sea, We descend to the piazza. We descend to the piazza. Yes, that's the sentence I liked. I underlined sun-smitten in my paperback book, and as I fell asleep, the noise of Zurich traffic below became these waves I see right now lapping the seawall. We have a few days. I will look at all the Moorish tiles. Sample the hard pecorino and goat cheeses. Climb around in the prehistoric village. I will not buy one of the million coral necklaces in the shops. We'll look for wild meddler and myrtle, asphodel, and capers on the hillsides. Ed shades his eyes with the guidebook. He points. The boat can drop us out there see the White Crescent Beach after we see the grotto of fabulous stalactites. Let's eat, he says. Andiamo. Let's go. Travel pushes my boundaries. Seemingly self-indulgent, travel paradoxically obliterates me, 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 because very quickly, prestissimo, the own little self is unlocked from the present, and released to move through layers of time. It is not 2006 all over the world. So who are you in a place where 1950 or 1920 is about to arrive? Or where the guide says, We're not talking about A.D. today. Everything from now on is B.C. I remember the child who came out of a thatched shack deep in the back roads of Nicaragua. She ran to touch the car, her arms thrown up in wonder. She would have looked at the headlights turn on and off all night. You are released, also, because you are insignificant to the life of the new place. When you travel, you become invisible, if you want. I do want. I like to be the observer. What makes these people who they are? Could I feel at home here? No one expects you to have the stack of papers back by Tuesday, or to check messages, or to fertilize the geraniums, or to sit full of dread in the waiting room at the proctologist's office. When traveling, you have the delectable possibility of not understanding a word of what is said to you. Language becomes simply a musical background for watching bicycles zoom along a canal, calling for nothing from you. Even better, if you speak the language, you catch nuances and make more contact with people. Travel releases spontaneity. You become a godlike creature, full of choice, free to visit the stately pleasure domes, make love in the morning, sketch a bell tower, read a history of Byzantium, stare for one hour at the face of Leonardo da Vinci's Madonna dei Fusi, You open, as in childhood, and, for a time, receive this world. There's the visceral aspect, too, the huntress who is free, free to go, free to return home bringing memories to lay on the hearth. A year after those, yes, sun-smitten days in Sardinia, we are going off to Spain, Then we have a list of places in the world we would like to call home, at least for a while. At twenty, it's easy to sling on the backpack and take off. Later, you may find the responsibilities that the years layer onto our bodies and souls to be hard to impossible to escape. You have to wrench your circumstances to get out from under them. And my home lulls me, the yellow roses on the table, Creamy iron sheets with my mother's monogram. Rabbit with fennel baking in the oven, guests about to arrive. My cat, sister, purring against my foot. A sunroom full of books. These profound comforts, the joys of home. I'm elated when the yesterday, today, tomorrow starts to bloom when Ed loads the iron table from the consignment shop on top of the car, and when we cook with good friends, Brunswick stew, cornbread, coconut pie. The thrown-off remark, I want to taste the last drop, will go down in my column of the book kept by the heavenly scribe. How did one sentence send me off into an intense five years of boarding planes, buses, trains, ships? The dream of a travel year became compromised by a complicated life, but the trips, arranged by season, become, in this book, a single year in the world. A series of events sharpened my sense of carpe diem, making me edgy to go. First a friend's heart attack, then my mother's death, then the stunning horror of breast cancer in nine—nine of my closest friends— two died. Other less drastic forces began to press. Teaching often swamped my writing. I longed for time, unscheduled time, dream time, quiet time. Not just summers when it took a month to recover from the exhausting academic year. Quit, I thought. You could be dead by evening, I read in Proust. Well, I know that. A potato chip truck can flatten you at any given stoplight. This happened to one friend. But knowledge sometimes slides off and sometimes scores a direct hit. The synergy of our decision to travel sent out sine waves. All fall, I looked at maps, saying incredulously,